Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. Finishing off Slater September. This week's shows are Young Guns and Young Guns 2. Can you tell them apart? No, I didn't think so. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. What the fuck? <laughs> Charlie Sheen's better at being Charlie Sheen. But that's the, kind of all he does. The fuck you say? Charlie Sheen was good in Platoon. And then he hasn't acted since. <sighs> I just, I, I don't know how to process that. I'll yell at you later. <laughs> Good Lord. I mean, I don't just think he's the worst Sheen brother. I think he's the worst Sheen. I think it's not unreasonable to say that Martin Sheen is the best actor in that family. I would not debate that. It seems, it seems like a hard thing to debate, but. I mean, if if you did, you you would be wrong. Just if you're gonna go Charlie versus Emilio, for me, Emilio wins out every time. Do we have to add men at work to the list? Just I think to we're probably gonna to have to directly compare and contrast the acting styles. And then we have to do Hot Shots and National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon One. <laughs> I would say we could do Loaded Weapon One as part of a Sam Jackson. Uh, string of shows, but we don't have enough. We don't have it in us to do all Sam Jackson movies. So <laughs> I can do Sam Jackson. Yeah, it's just that that's all we do for the remainder of time. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't just pick a handful. We would just do them all in chronological order. Yep, that's the theory. And that means we'd have to do Iron Man, even though he shows up for like 10 seconds at the very end. Yeah. Uh, anybody else watch the uh, Captain Marvel trailer? Yeah. What do you think, Noah? Uh, a bunch of interesting choices. Mm-hmm. It looks mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. It's not the trailer doesn't do much. It's just... No, not really. I think it doesn't, it doesn't do much for people who don't know comic books really well. Yeah. Okay. 
Because that's a whole bunch of characters that people are like, don't, don't fucking know. Yeah, I'm not super versed in it. I know enough to understand what's going on in the trailer, but that's about it. Have you ever heard of uh, Star Force before? No. That's apparently so. Star Force is a like a supervillain group, like evil space villains, and most of those characters are members of Star Force. In which, for some reason, they're making Marvel the leader of Star Force, mm-hmm. which isn't a thing in the comic books. So I don't. Yeah, they change some of the stuff that only the real hardcore geeks know about. Because I know most people won't notice. Yeah, it makes for a better movie. I'm all for it. All right. I mean, like I said, I think it. I think it looks good. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I hope they. Uh, I hope they that Ronan and uh, Korath both get beefed up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be happy to see uh, more Ronan as a as a villain. Even though there is sort of uh, uh, no suspense, I guess, since we know he shows up in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, but they give us a little bit more backstory to him. Yeah, totally. I'm down for that. Did anybody else notice that uh, the de-aged Sam Jackson kind of looks like a de-aged... Uh, of course, I'm slipping the name of the other actor I'm trying to think of. That's a great story, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll just drop my point instead, instead of just trying to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> Lars Fishburne was the name I was looking for. Ah, oh, good old Larry. To me, to me, he, he looks like a de-aged Lawrence Fishburne, which is funny because Lawrence Fishburne was just in a Marvel movie and they chose not to de-age him. <laughs> yeah. To me, he'll always be Larry from Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street 3. It's reasonable. <laughs> Does anybody else see uh, Batman's penis? No. Big, big thing going on? Which Which Batman's penis? Uh, DC put a book out, and there's a shot of him getting undressed out of the out of the bat suit. They've decided to release a new series of comic books under the label like DC Black or something, where they're going like hard R. Yeah, but yeah, you totally get an outline of uh, of the bat penis. See the bat dick. Yeah, seems unnecessary to me. The, uh, the bat, the bat pole, if you will. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not in favor of that, just so we're clear. Just hope we never have to see Robin slide down the bat pole. <laughs> it just so hilarious like a... when he's in a different outfit when he gets to the bottom, though. It's just an odd choice of, like, really? Like, that's... We're just... All right. Yeah, it's just... it It reeks of, like, them just trying to get attention and be like look at how badass we are now it's like you gotta yeah. try to do it in a clever way in order to have it be not so obvious I think the biggest comic book news I heard in the last few days is supposedly supposedly um, supposedly uh, Marvel has rented studio space for I think they said the end of 2019 for possible casting of a movie under the working title Captain Britain and the Black Knight. That'd be cool. Yeah, I like I like Captain Britain. I know he's like a, a lot of people really fucking get into it, but mm-hmm. man, I fucking love me some Black Knight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, was it officially announced or is it just sort of unofficially announced that they're well supposedly it's kind of streaming shows of Loki and Scarlet Witch or whatever it is still technically a rumor I think it's unofficial and the big thing they said is it's pretty common practice for them to like get space under these random titles pretty far out because you have to rent studio space so far out Mm-hmm. And that it might not be that movie once it comes down to it. No. Yeah. See what happens. I'd like to know who they're going to have play Captain Britain. I, I, there's also a rumor that Captain Britain will show up in the next Spider-Man movie, so you might know sooner rather than later. Hmm. Just doesn't the next Spider-Man movie have they already announced that it's going to take place partially in the UK? Although I think the... Maybe? the the big character they've announced that's probably going to show up in that one is uh, uh, Spider Woman. The Jessica Drew one or the the other one? Uh, I believe it's the Jessica Drew one. Yeah. Spraying her lady love juice all over people. Bull. The weird power. Ah. <sighs> I don't think it's a very PC power in today's world. What's her power? She's super sexy and guys want to fuck her. Wait, what? Yeah, that's her superpower. She's super sexy. Yeah, that might not fly all that well. <laughs> did uh, uh, did you guys see the the teaser trailer that? Reveals pretty much absolutely nothing for the new Twilight Zone that yeah. are posted in the group. Anything, I'm, I'm just excited. It, yeah, you don't, you don't get any context for anything from it. But okay. I was gonna say, oh, like I watched it without sound, so I don't know if it had yeah. anything. I was a little confused on it because I thought several months ago they announced that it had been scrapped already. That's what I heard. But... No, I hadn't heard that. I heard that Tales from the Crypt got scrapped like forever ago, but. Maybe, maybe maybe I'm just blending the two together in my head or something. I thought I'd heard the Twilight Zone got scrapped too. Maybe there was a rumor that it got scrapped. Mm. Yeah. Didn't or? I guess the takeaway: it looks like Jordan Peele is going to be the Rod Serling role. Um, which you know, whatever. I'm I like I'm all in favor of them bringing back the Twilight Zone if it's done right. And it seems yeah. like television is willing to do things right at this point. Mm-hmm. So. Especially for like CBS All Access, which is a pay service, seems like they're a little bit more lenient on. Yeah, you can get away with a lot more, not have to worry about advertisers and all that kind of nonsense. Yeah. Not that I mean, Twilight Zone doesn't need to be hardcore. I'm just saying that it seems like a lot less notes would come from a situation like that than if it was on actual broadcast television. Right. But I could be completely wrong too, so who the fuck knows? <sighs> I guess we should mention this is episode fifty. It's our fiftieth episode. It's the fiftieth time we've sat down to record this show. It's exciting. It's the fiftieth time that Noah and Doug are gonna argue. <laughs> <laughs> Going to argue? I believe we already started. <laughs> uh yeah. You guys knew what you were doing when you made these movies. 
<laughs> First of all, I did not pick these movies. I just got excited when they were picked for me. I picked them. So, we'll see. Uh, it is our 50th episode, and it is the last episode of Slater September for this year, which uh, I know everybody's super excited about. And when we announced that it was... Uh, when we announced that it was going to be Young Guns and Young Guns 2, people were excited. Except for Noah. It's so weird that people are happy to hear us talk about these movies because they're so <laughs> outside of what this podcast is supposed to be. <laughs> I know. Next week, we're, we're going to be closer to what we're supposed to be, but this week, it's fucking Young Guns and Young Guns 2. Lots of, lots of talk about the Sheen family and John Bon Jovi. Everything you definitely wanted in this podcast. I've had that Blaze of Glory song stuck in my head since we announced later September was starting. <laughs> I'm going I'm to be 100% honest, guys. That song started to play, and I got a little mad at you. <laughs> like, a little fucking mad. I was like, fucking bunch of fucking Western bullshit. <laughs> But that was probably the thing that kicked off Bon Jovi, because isn't he like doing country music now? This is probably the thing that kicked that off. Set no in that direction. Look, it won him an Oscar, so he has an Oscar. Yeah, for best original song. <laughs> you know what? That that makes sense. That song is awesome. <laughs> no. uh, well, Noah, since you're so happy, why don't you tell us what the original it, Young Guns is all about? Can we can we stop? I just want to sure. say I want to say one thing before sure. we before we start arguing. I just want to say Penny Perry. Penny Perry was in charge of casting for Young Guns, according to the credits, and her name deserves to be praised before we start arguing about everything else that we're not going to agree on. Because <laughs> <laughs> the word I would use. This this is one of the best casts ever assembled. So it's pretty fantastic. It's like even watching it now and realizing guys like Terry O'Quinn are in it that I like didn't know who they were at the time mm -hmm. and now realizing like holy shit like you even got them to do these like extra parts it's, it, it's it's an accomplishment and we should pay credit to that before we start arguing about everything else in this movie because I don't think we're going to agree on anything else well I think some <laughs> of us will agree but there may be one contingent that's not going to enjoy himself <laughs> you <laughs> and I guess we should preface Noah has always claimed he does not enjoy <laughs> westerns whatsoever so we're like that's alright we'll do two of them at once Yep. I don't I don't enjoy westerns that aren't uh, dark and violent basically Which uh, I would suggest that these ones are violent yeah I would say they're violent but they're glossy violent <laughs> Glossy violence is not violence. I'll even go back and say these are two very different movies, so we'll get into it. Yes. So into the specifics. Um, all right. Uh, so, uh, menacing British pedophile is, is abducting runaway children to turn them into his educated foot soldiers <laughs> in his never-ending war against an Irishman. You know what, No, if you're not going to take this serious. <laughs> no, that's, well, that's that's pretty close to what's going on. But still, it's a bunch of kids being raised by this British guy who's teaching them how to be smart and violent. I, 
it doesn't it doesn't entirely make sense. They're working on his ranch in exchange for free room and board and an education. And an education. Although yes. they're re- they're required to to be good with a gun or a knife. Well, the reason they've been hired, God damn it, Noah. <laughs> so the reason they've been hired is to protect his cattle interests. Because back in this day, people would steal your cattle and then sell them off. Ah. So they, their job is to make sure nobody steals anything and do general chores around the farm in exchange for food and a room and an education, as I mentioned. Uh, so and they, get, and they get fancy clothes. Yes. So then uh, Billy the Kid shows up, uh, and he's a cray-cray. <laughs> Not going to argue that. Yeah. Uh, some shit goes down. Uh, their their mentor gets murdered. They get deputized. They're supposed to go arrest all these people and not touch the sheriff. And then Billy the Kid proceeds to be a dick and get all of his friends killed. End of movie. <laughs> like <laughs> that is that is literally the plot of this movie. There they have multiple chances to not have that happened, and then Billy the Kid does something dickish and more of his friends die. Yeah, but not all of his friends die. He learns. He learns. The no less at the end of the movie, he has no character growth. He is the same idiot at the end that he was at the beginning. I, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I would think agree he, with that. because at the beginning he is a loner and he definitely develops a kinship with the other guys, and that's that coming together as a group is a major part of the plot line that you seem to want to ignore. The, the kinship part where he gets them all killed? He's a shitty friend. Well, he's... it's. I mean, this is essentially a revenge movie. Somebody was nice to him, took him in, you know, bought him fancy clothes, treated him nicely, and that yeah. person was killed, and he's out for vengeance. Is here's, essentially the plot. Here's the thing, though. I don't... That doesn't seem to be accurate, because he seems to just be a bloodthirsty idiot from the beginning of the movie. And he just uses this as an excuse to be even more of a bloodthirsty idiot. He is the rest yes. of the characters are kind of out for revenge. They're just like measured in their response. No, you know he's definitely more bloodthirsty than the other guys. And for because this is an '80s movie, that makes him the leader. Um, but he is, yeah, like the other guys are seeking revenge in a more legal fashion, and he takes them down this route, which is like. You could argue being, being a murderer who leads his friends <laughs> who are trying to enforce the law into an illegal path. You could say that's a character flaw, sure. But I don't. I still think he is, in his mind, avenging the death of his benefactor, as they say. He very much believes in an eye for an eye sort of vengeance rather than, uh, he, I guess, arresting people, having them go to trial, and then hanging, which seems he, like what he even says it to the lawyer, to Terry O'Quinn's characters, McSween, is that his name? He says, like, if you don't let us protect you, then they're going to kill you, and then I'm going to have to go and kill all of those guys. And he's like, that's a lot of killing. Like, let us protect you instead at one point. And it's kind of a funny line, but it also outlines his philosophy throughout the movie. Is like, if you hurt the people I care about, it's my job to come after you. And like part of Billy taking on that leadership role is definitely he tries to hold that group together because he does want that camaraderie that comes with it. He's 
like when Chavez when Chavez wants to leave after they have their little spiritual journey of getting high as shit and almost shooting each other because you shouldn't be high while with guns. Um, Did you guys see the size of that chicken? <laughs> Did you know we're in the spirit world? Anyways, point being, um, he definitely is showing that he has grown to care about this group of people and maybe his, his way of displaying that is uh, contrary to certain modern sensibilities <laughs> what with all the murder and whatnot. But it's still it's, to say he didn't grow as a character. I think. Well, is and the fact that in that scene, though, Chavez is a hundred percent correct. <laughs> like, he basically is like, "No, why don't you stay and die with the rest of us?" You're putting. Or, no, but you're putting here, your. Here we could all easily leave and, and <laughs> extrude ourselves from this situation that I have caused almost entirely on my own at this point. But you're completely discounting that he has a different moral code than you do. Billy the Kid, for the purpose of this movie, his moral code is that he is required to seek that vengeance and that everybody should be doing that with him. You're saying he should just leave. Well, if he just... Yeah, you're right. If he just left, a lot fewer of them would die. But the people who killed Mr. Tunstall would just still be there, still doing the same things. They'd all be benefiting from the fact that they committed this murder rather than paying a price for it. Yeah, so I know. So that he, 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 you know, I, I understand what you're saying is like it's wrong. He was uh, played by Emilio Estevez, the worst Estevez. Oh my God! All right, is this time for this argument? <laughs> not hey, I put I put this to you. Not just the worst Estevez slash Sheen. He is the worst Estevez. He is worse than Ramon Estevez. No one knows who Ramon Estevez is. Yeah, that's an that's an unfair point because we don't know who. Estevez is, and I'm not going to find that out just so you can try to prove yourself right. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Ramon Estevez is a great actor. What the fuck do I know? Ramon, mm. Ramon is one of the other brothers. I accept that. <laughs> I figured it's not a coincidence you brought him up. <laughs> Joe, Joe Estevez? Better Estevez. <sighs> now you're, you're just you're just trolling. I should just try to <laughs> No, I actually, I actually really do like Joe Estevez. But besides that... <laughs> Which that might be fine, that might be saying, stretching the truth. But saying he's a better actor, I think, is a little. I didn't little say trollish. better actor. I said better Estevez. But that implies you think he's better at being an Estevez, which doesn't even make sense because we don't have a proper unit of measure for what I, being a good Estevez is. I think he is a better human being. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Jesus Christ! A higher quality piece of man meat. Okay, okay, but then in that logic, you think Charlie Sheen is a better human being than Emilio Estevez? Yeah, because he's horrible, but he's no. horrible in a really entertaining way. No, I completely disagree with your with your deduction there. I think he's a he's a monster, but he is a, a charismatic monster. <laughs> anyway. Back to the movie. And I'm pretty sure he's a warlock. I think he said that once. Brian, why don't you tell us what you thought of this movie upon your rewatch? Uh, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, I will say, I saw this movie in the theater when it came out. Nice. Because me and my friend were supposed to go see Karate Kid Part 2. <laughs> and my parents were going to go see Young Guns. But Karate Kid Part 2 was sold out. So we and my parents were like, we're still going to a movie. So we went and saw Young Guns instead. 
and I loved it in the theater. And this movie made me completely obsessed with Billy the Kid afterwards. As much as like when some people uh, bring up Billy the Kid, I think a lot of people, I don't know, these movie nerds sort of picture maybe Billy the Kid from Bill and Ted or one of the like John Wayne movies that had Billy the Kid in it or something. But for me, anytime it comes up, just Emilio Estevez automatically pops into my head. I think that's all people our age group, I think. Yeah. This was the the only the Billy the Kid that I knew growing up. And yeah. So I became obsessed with Billy the Kid afterwards. And I figured after we review both of these movies, I can tell you. Because weirdly enough, this first movie is about 95% historically accurate. It's. I, I was just reading up on the Lincoln County War, and it's... Like this movie is a condensed version of the story, yeah. And like the regulators group was larger, and it yeah. contained several people who were like there were a lot of regular townsfolk who recognized that what had happened to Mister Tunstall was wrong as well. But many of the incidences depicted are very accurate. Yes, <laughs> what I can tell. Yeah, which is why they didn't go down south, Noah because it's historically accurate well that's yeah and that's a, that's another I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what that that makes a lot of sense because people do just dumb ignorant shit in the real world which is why i don't like movies based on real things <laughs> <laughs> which makes this movie worse in my eye I okay but, i like it less now but just just because you're an arrogant individual who thinks that your world perspective is the only one that matters doesn't mean <laughs> that these characters aren't allowed to have different motivations than you. I mean, the, mm. movie, the movie is about people seeking vengeance for an act that happened. Now, if you can't get behind the fact that that vengeance is noble, then yeah, you're, you're, the movie is going to seem strange when, when your hero characters are just out there murdering people. Of course, that seems weird. But them putting their own lives at risk to do what they perceive as the right thing is from within within the confines of the movie a noble act. Well, so. no, I agree with you. There's a whole bunch of them doing noble things, and Emilio Estevez gets them all killed. <laughs> he doesn't really. He doesn't force anybody to do anything. Just so we're clear. Well, even even the very first killing that he does, which is like one of those scenes that sticks out in my memory from when I was a kid, of he follows the guy into the into the washroom and shoots him, does the the hand through the. Yeah, zipper thing like Ted from Friday Thirteenth Part Four, except he's got a gun in his hand and he shoots the guy. And uh, like even that moment, Billy goes in there alone, shoots him alone. Those guys could have left him there. Those guys could have pulled him out of there and then turned him over to the law. They could have done whatever they wanted to do. They were all in on it in the ride, so don't go blaming him for all of their problems. They all made the decision to be part of that group. That becomes a lot more questionable in the sequel, and we'll get to that point. But yeah. in this movie, they're all adults who could just easily ride off in any direction they wanted. Chavez even offers to bring some of them with him. They're given the choice, do I follow the guy who wants to leave or the guy who wants to stay and continue our vengeance trail? Oh, yeah, and Charlie, Charlie did a win for Charlie. Goddamn Billy the Kid. <laughs> so what did you think of this, Doug? I got to tell you this, like, I loved this movie when I was a kid, and I bought it on DVD a bunch of years ago and watched it once, and I remember, like, really, like, liking it, but mostly for a nostalgia thing. 
So watching it now, I was really caught off guard by the fact that this is actually a good movie. I think I was sort of expecting to have fun with it the way we do with some of those old 80s movies. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, I'd like, I think this is a well-told story. I think the action is pretty good. There's some parts that are a bit cheesy because it was made in 1988 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's not the movie's fault that it was 1988 at the time. Um, and yeah, like, I think, I think that it is a very well constructed film. I think it's well acted. I think it's well scripted. There's a few minor details I noticed, like where they start repeating certain lines over, almost like they just, what would people in the old West have said? So they do, they do that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think this is actually a really good Western. If you're, if you're a fan of Westerns and you're a fan of eighties filmmaking, I think you really appreciate this. I know some people like their idea of the perfect Western is more of that, like Sergio Leone type old school Western where, okay, this isn't that. And people need to understand that going in. But mm. for the type of movie it is, I think it's really well done. So Noah, what did you think of this movie? Uh, it is what it is. <laughs> like I would uh, I've seen this movie before, and I would never have watched it again if you guys had bastards. Uh, this movie has a ton of stuff going for it that should absolutely make me love this movie, and the fact that I don't love this movie is a testament to how many things it does that I fucking hate. Like, I'm just saying, just for the, I would say most of the cast, I like. I'm not a, a, an Emilio Estevez fan. What? No. At all. Uh, he's okay in The Mighty Ducks, but that's because he doesn't have to do anything. It's a fucking kid's movie. He has to go from being a drunk driver to learning an important lesson about why you should date Joshua Jackson's mom. He does a lot in The Mighty Ducks. And, and he has to attempt to say quack, quack, quack in a dramatic way. It's a very impressive hey, acting. Do you know what? The fact that he pulls that off and like it's not completely ridiculous by kid movie standards, I think is quite an accomplishment. Anyways, don't yeah, make me like do, don't make me put together a hockey themed episode of this show where we discuss <laughs> the Mighty Ducks. I'll do Hockey Month, you asshole. <laughs> watch Goon. We can watch Goon. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, I don't know. And and this movie's fucking long. Is it really fucking long? How, what's the runtime on it? I felt like I was watching this movie forever. It's it's, it's an hour and forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, so that's an hour longer than it should be. Oh, but uh, I don't know. Like I, like I said, it's got a couple little good movie uh, moments. Like uh, whenever uh, Billy the Kid, you know, has an ever so slight suspicion about one of the guys in the group and shoots him in the face in front of all his friends, and they do nothing. I love when, I love when he has to put the second bullet in him because the body doesn't fall over after getting shot in the head. It's, he's still shaking his hand. But uh, it's just that whenever that guy gets shot and uh, Kiefer Sutherland gets basically hosed in some brain. <laughs> that is awesome. And his, like, Kiefer Sutherland's reaction is fucking great. Just that look on his face of just kind of uh, a mixture of just a horror and a few other things. Confusion. <laughs> Did he just really shoot my other friend in the fucking face? Well, I guess I should lie and say I thought he was suspicious too. 
I think that uh, that scene is actually done really well. That scene down by the river, because I think mm. it's not clear what anyone else thinks. Mm-hmm. Like, is Doc, does anybody else believe that he was acting suspiciously? And I think it's shot in such a way that the audience is meant to not know whether he was behaving suspiciously. Because he does sort of act weird, but is it weird enough to justify being shot in the face? I'm not sure. And so I'm not, uh, I, I think it's handled really well because to, to even watching it and thinking about it, I don't know if Doc thinks that guy deserved to be shot or if he's just trying to keep peace within the right remaining members of the gang or, or what his plan is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very vague on purpose, which is awesome. <clears throat> I mean, that's pretty much it. Other than that, I feel like it's... There's nothing special about this movie. Being awesome isn't special to you, I guess. You you can think it's awesome all you want. (laughs) People like to do heroin. Not a big thing. Like, it's not my thing. I will say... And you know what? If I gave it a try, that heroin might be real good. Still not going to. (laughs) That got weird. Um, I will say that the the one complaint I would have about this movie is mm-hmm. I do think like because of scenes like we're talking about with that confrontation on the riverfront there, the ending does go a little eighties action movie when they're in the house. Oh sure. The attack finally happens, and I would really be interested in seeing a version of this film where that ending is darker and bloodier and where the, when the guys get shot instead of just moving on to the next action beat they took the time to deal with the, the pain that they're in and stuff like that which I think feel like most of the movie does a pretty good job of that and it's just at the end it's the big climactic fight and they have to they feel like they have to go over the top yeah yeah for sure like the time that they pull out a gatling gun to shoot the unarmed lawyer <laughs> Uh, piece of trivia, the guy running the Gatling gun was Randy Travis. Really? The country yeah. singer guy? Yeah, a little uh, uncredited cameo in the movie. Huh. Yeah, the guy who sings the song Bo- Booty Scoot. Yeah. I, I have no, no idea I what he sings. I don't, I, don't, I don't listen to country. Me neither. Me neither. I... Although, weirdly enough, I think I might have seen something about how Randy... Travis had a stroke and he's still trying to be a singer. Oh, just that's sad that. if that's true. <laughs> so now I'm wondering if that's accurate or not, or if I'm just putting that on him and I saw something else. <laughs> Let's assume it's true and that yeah. it's sad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just know this, like I've mentioned, this movie basically made me obsessed with Billy the Kid. So, of course, I looked up and read everything I possibly could about Billy the Kid after this and uh, the idea of him being thrown thrown in a trunk out a window and then just jump up and start killing people I was in love with the kid as an adult it's a little ridiculous but what? I don't care you don't feel that that's one of the historically accurate parts of this I do not think so it's so badass though <laughs> I agree. definitely like when I was a kid I used to actually steal my sister's dollhouse and put some G.I. Joe's inside it and I would reenact this sequence where it was just a bunch of guys attacking from the outside a bunch of guys inside trying to fight their way out eventually the house would always get lit on fire 
your sister doesn't like it when you tell her her dog's <laughs> on fire. <laughs> but like I would, the, this sequence, as much as I say like now that I I wish it was darker and slower, mm. it was one of those things in the '80s where it was like just this one of those iconic climaxes to a movie that just stuck in your head, and you know you could just sit down and rewatch that final fight at any time and just love it. So it's executed really well for what it is. Yeah. And I always enjoy seeing dirty Steve, like throw his tantrum after Chavez, like yeah. sneaks out of the house. Oh yeah. Kicking shit. God damn Navajo. Blah, blah, blah. Just like throwing shit around. He's out there doing it with his horse. <laughs> <laughs> and then she shows back up and it's like, Oh, <laughs> it's like, no, he, he was playing on the head for everybody. Uh, I am a big fan of Dirty Steve, though. I did not, you know, of course, at the time, did not know that was Dermot Mulroney. And then I got older and realized who Dermot Mulroney was. And then, like, watched it again. I was like, holy shit, Dermot Mulroney with Dirty Steve? Love Dirty Steve. <laughs> I love that his name is Dirty Steve, and everybody's <laughs> just kind of okay with that. <laughs> kind of like how, like, I love, for some reason, in both movies, when at some point, they call, uh, they call Chavez an Indian. He's like, Mexican Indian, you son of a bitch. He says that line in both movies. And I'm like, it's such a ridiculous thing. How do they uh, fit into both movies? He does. But if you'll notice in the first one, they call him an Indian and he says Mexican Indian. And in the second one, they call him a Mexican and he says Mexican Oh, really? Indian. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost better. <laughs> I will say his, uh, his speech, Lou Diamond Phillips giving that speech about the... Uh, soldiers destroying his tribe mm -hmm. and that is a dark moment and he, he executes it very well like it's hard yeah. to deliver dialogue about soldiers stomping babies heads to death to save bullets and mm -hmm. to be taken seriously and he, he does it really well yeah yeah i always thought lou diamond phillips was a really good actor and i feel like he does a really good performance in this movie <sighs> he's kind of underappreciated i think he ended up doing a lot of tv mm -hmm. and lower stuff after yeah. this but. um one of the trivia things i read is at at night like when they were done shooting for the day they would all get drunk and like play like music or whatever and they would make lou diamond phillips sing la bamba over and over again <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of mean and kind of funny <laughs> uh, um yeah, I don't know. I love this movie. Doug, you said you love this movie. Uh, is there anything else before we move on to part two? I would highly recommend you watch Tombstone. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Tombstone is a good movie. I just saw a few minutes of that on TV this week. Just it was on and I just flipped through it and I got the scene where, uh, where Val Kilmer does the the guy's flipping his gun around and Bill Kilmer as Doc, as Doc Holliday pulls out the shot glass and starts throwing around his finger. And that just a, is a laugh out loud moment in that movie. So I also <laughs> recommend you watch Tombstone, but that doesn't mean you can't watch Young Guns too. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, we know Young Guns ends with Billy the Kid shooting Murphy right between the eyes. Uh, which we didn't mention, played by Jack Palance. It was awesome. Yeah, it's it's important to get an actor in that Murphy role who has the gravitas to be evil without having a lot to do because he doesn't get a great deal of screen time. So that was good casting there as well. 
Yeah, the whole cast for this movie, as we've mentioned, is amazing. Um, Kiefer Sutherland, of course. Uh, Charlie Sheen, which helps Noah's uh, Sheen versus Estevez argument, I guess, if he, if he really see, wants to. You want to know what? One of my favorite characters in the movie? The fucking Charlie Sheen character. He talks. <clears throat> guy who yells uh, at people to get in their supper clothes on time. <laughs> That's the guy you like. <laughs> Not the, not the guy that knows how to throw knives awesomely or Billy the Kid. No, the guy who's in charge of making sure everybody gets dressed and washed up for dinner. <laughs> no, because he's the guy who wants him to become the law. <laughs> uh, I guess another piece of trivia is apparently the rest of the cast made fun of him for how he said Billy. Really? <laughs> He'd always be like, come on, Billy! He does say it funny. I did. I just figured it was a, an acting choice by somebody who was later going to grow up to be a, a heroin addict. Um, uh, yeah, like we said Dermot Mulroney, Lou Diamond Phillips, Emilio Estevez. Some would say the best Estevez, and uh, Terrence Stamp, who played yeah. uh, uh, John. I already forgot his name. Thompson. Uh, Ontario Quinn, which is always a surprise because I, I remember that character. I remember that everything. And then you rewatch it and it's like, oh shit, that's Terry O'Quinn. Like, I had no clue. I can't. Anytime before Terry O'Quinn started shaving his head, I don't recognize him. Yeah. I don't recognize him from any movie where he still like had that that 70s version of bald guy where he just <laughs> kept long hair on the sides even though your top was completely gone. <laughs> Uh, I had the same reaction when I watched uh, Silver Bullet for the first time since I was a kid. I was like, holy shit, it's Terry O'Quinn. Yep. It's a weird thing. Um, and turns out the guy who plays Pat Garrett in this movie is John Wayne's son. Oh, really? Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it's obviously just a, a cameo type role in this movie, right? Yeah, and I feel like maybe my complaint is that whole thing was forced in a little bit. Yeah, they obviously weren't planning for the sequel, and no. so they didn't get into the relationship between uh, Pat and Billy, which is... Because this was really not a Billy the Kid story. This was the story of the Lincoln County War. Yeah. Um, so I think they kind of... They kind of... It would have been better if they'd left that for the sequel. Mm -hmm, I agree. Um, all right. Doug, you want to tell us about Young Guns 2, since I know you've been blasting that Bon Jovi soundtrack for the past, like, month? Yeah, yeah. Um, Young Guns 2 is picks up, like, I think it's supposed to be a year after the end of the first film. Yeah. And we're told in dialogue that the Murphy Boys have been causing a lot of trouble ever since the war ended, because they're kind of, I don't know they've lost their uh, leadership and they're just kind of wandering around town causing shit. So the new law has decided to uh, round up everybody who was involved in the war. And that includes uh, Doc is arrested, even though he's hiding in New York City as a school teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, they can't catch Billy, who has teamed up with Arkansas Dave and uh, Pat Garrett to become uh, their own little gang. And... Uh, so Billy is invited in to, uh, to the governor's office and offered a deal. Uh, basically, he'll be given a pardon if he testifies against all the remaining Murphy guys. Agrees to the deal, finds out it's not going to work out, breaks Doc, and uh, 
Chavez out of custody and goes on yet another rampage. Again, gets a lot of his friends killed. So I don't know I'll be upset. <laughs> I mean, other than the beginning of this movie, this is the exact same movie. Like, same movie. Just Well, there's no cattle war in this one. There's no cattle war, but it's just tit for tat. Let's kill a bunch of people. We get chased down by the bad guys. We get cornered at the end of the movie. A bunch of people die. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's not that far. It's not that different. It's obvious that they were trying to hit some of the similar plot points. Um, again, they they kind of how do, how do I put it? Normally, that wouldn't be a complaint. I mean, they they followed the formula, which is what you should do with sequels. Yeah, stick with what got you where you are. the The problem with it is that they're telling, they're theoretically telling a very different story, um, but then they're trying to force it into the same format. Which is like this story should be, you know, Billy's friendship with Pat Garrett, Garrett's betrayal, and the eventual confrontation between the two. That's what this story should be, right? But instead, they turn it into Billy rounding up a gang, going on the warpath, you know, having these, uh, you know, action sequences every now and again, and then being killed off at the end. You know, dot dot dot. Or was he? Because the real format of this movie for people who maybe haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while is that this guy wanders out of the desert in like the 1950s and claims to be Billy the Kid and all the story we're talking about is his flashback to what happened and claiming that at the end that he wasn't actually shot and that he's been living this whole time. I'm just saying it's a good thing they had Emilio Estevez there to do his old man voice. Because that would be a hard sell without a better actor. And Billy the Kid. I actually think he does just fine. I think he does just fine in the in the old man voice. Let's let's start arguing again about Emilio Estevez's acting prowess. But I actually Come on. you cannot tell me that's a good old man voice. That is like I think it is perfectly acceptable. I do as well, and I'll have I'll let you know, Noah, that the studio actually wanted to get a different actor to play old. Billy the Kid, and Emilio Estevez kept pushing for it, and they kept saying no. So he hired his own makeup person to make up up as an old man and interact with the uh, producers and stuff without them knowing it. And they were so impressed with his old man that they let him play it in the movie. I think we've brought up uh, on this podcast several times that people that work in Hollywood are fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Can we agree? Can we at least I agree? I totally believe that story. I'm just saying it doesn't mean anything. Can, can we agree that he looks good in the makeup? At least I think the makeup's done really well. That makeup's all right. Your your problem is with the voice. I don't. I don't have that, that is, problem. That I think, is bad. Old I, I'm not saying it is the greatest old man voice that I've ever seen in film history. I'm just saying it's perfectly acceptable. I don't understand why you would choose to complain about that. I'm saying if you walk up to any eight year old child and tell him to do an impression of an old man, he would do the exact same thing <laughs> that Emilio Estevez does in this movie. Uh, I completely disagree with that. I don't think that most people can do any better than what he did. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Alright. So, Brian, thoughts on this sequel to uh, all-time classic Young Guns? 
I feel like it's an okay movie. It's definitely not nearly as good as the original movie. And maybe because of, the, of what you brought up in, for the first movie is it's not really a Billy the Kid movie. It's about the Lincoln Cattle War. Whereas this one's completely focused on Billy the Kid. And sort of his uh, notoriety sort of driving his ego throughout most of the movie. Yeah, I agree with that. So I don't, it, it stops becoming an ensemble movie. It becomes a Billy the Kid movie. Which, you know, has its good points and bad points, but coming off of Young Guns, which I feel is pretty solid, as much as Noah would disagree. Um, I feel like that doesn't help this movie at all. Yeah, I agree. I found like where I say Young Guns is a good movie. I had fun watching Young Guns too. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it a good movie. I would say it's it's fun to watch. Um, you know, I actually do think we're we're in the middle of Slater September here. I think Christian Slater is hilarious in the movie. I think he's quite funny. I like it, the fact that his character is constantly trying to become known and trying to prove that he's the leader of the gang against Billy the Kid, who's like, you know, having comic books written about him and stuff. Like that's that's a fun storyline. But Arkansas Dave has no business in this movie. He shouldn't be there, right? This should be a movie about Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett. Um, Come know, on, I killed sixty five men. Not including well, Mexicans and Indians. Oh my god, I can't believe they just said that on screen in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like as if they don't even really count. To be fair, though, it is historically a- accurate that Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh was hanging around with them. Yeah, I'm not denying that. I'm just saying, I, I think part of the problem with this movie is that it's like, so you're, you're supposed to feel something when Pat Garrett turns on Billy the Kid and you don't, because you have they haven't spent enough time together. You haven't seen anything in their relationship. You don't see a, a real turn in Pat Garrett's character. You know, all you see is he says, "I want to settle down and start a, a family and get a, a legitimate income." And then somebody's like, well, "Why don't you be a sheriff for your legitimate income?" He's like, "All right." And it's like, "Well, that's that's not really a storyline, right?" Mm-hmm. So to me, this movie almost should have been the first half would have been Billy and Pat working together. Dave could be there. There's no problem with that. And yeah. then your second half, you'd almost want to cut between them, like they're fucking. Uh, like in Halloween where you get your protagonist and your antagonist and you're following both stories knowing that they'll one day come to a head. So yeah. like, yes, if you had if you had Pat Garrett being Dr. Loomis in this movie, like constantly trying to find Billy and having trouble tracking him down, I think that would be, make for a much more interesting film. I don't know. I, I disagree with you because I think his motivations seem a little clearer than that. He becomes the law not because he like wants to be the law or because it was easy to talk him into it. It's because he, I think he, the whole point is that he actually understands how fucking psychotic and dangerous Billy actually is, and that somebody needs to fucking shoot him. <laughs> I didn't get that from the movie, to be honest. And like that, like what really? you're saying—the yeah. fact that he goes and gets a writer to write it down because he doesn't want people thinking that he's just some traitor that hunted down his friends. He wants them to know the truth. That Billy's a fucking psycho. See, I got it. That he's totally in it for the money. That's all yeah. he—all he's really doing it for. Because they dump a bunch of money on the table, and you see his face light up like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna get paid to actually do this." 
and then I'm gonna have a book written so that I can make even more money once this is over. Yeah, but because but even if you take it a step further, um, that character, like, so he, we had the excessive amount of time in this movie spent with where Billy and the gang show up at that whorehouse and it, they act like they're friends with this girl and they're like it's almost like we're supposed to care about her but we've never met her before it's just like so then and you get the whole thing with the, the young guy loses his virginity and there's quite a amount of time spent there when Pat Garrett shows up at the end he ends up burning the place down as like a sign that you shouldn't team up with Billy the kid so or else you're going to be punished and all that now whether he's in it for the money or he's in it because he wants to go after Billy neither of those motivations make any sense for him acting that way in that scene he's acting that way because they want him to be a villainous character for the purposes of the audience not liking him when he goes after our hero but it's not consistent with who he was at the beginning of the movie it's not consistent with any change he's gone through and I think that's what makes this film kind of lesser than the first one is just that they're not they're not earning those moments see once once again i think i interpreted that different i interpreted that as him he didn't burn that place down maliciously he burnt it down because billy always fucking comes after people fuck with his shit so he was like billy's not gonna run away he's gonna come to me if i just burn this place down Okay, so the good, the good news there is that you're acknowledging that most of what I said during our discussion of the first movie was correct, because you're saying you do know that Billy is a psycho murderer who uh, will go after <laughs> anyone who slights him in the very mildest way. Yes, fulfilling his own moral code, seeking vengeance against people <laughs> who harm those who he cares about, is how I would choose to word that. Um, I don't think burning someone's home and livelihood down is the slightest slight it's it's kind of a big deal um yeah but i i, I don't know I, th- I feel like you're adding that to the movie i don't feel it's on screen and that's what, you, what you're describing yeah. i think is better i wish it was what i was getting yeah i yeah i feel it was definitely a punishment towards what's her face the 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 madam or whatever yeah. that it was a punishment against her for essentially teaming up with billy the kid and Whatever form you want to say that that is, even just sleeping with him, um, and so he's basically just like "fuck you" and all this. I'm just going to burn this mother to the ground. Yeah, and I, I even think there was like an element of like she kind of gets in his grill about the whole like you were one of us and now you've turned to the other side, mm-hmm. and he's like "fuck you," don't call me out on my own shit. Like, which is it's kind of like again because he's supposed to be a villain character we're supposed to hate him like it's fine for what it is but being told like hey you used to be one of us and you, you're a traitor now and he's like, well, i'll show you what a traitor is and burns her house down it's like you it's i don't know it doesn't really make any sense like if if he's not bothered by the idea of being a traitor then why does he care and if he is bothered by it why is he reacting that way instead of doing something to help her mm. And also the relationship between Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid in this movie is pretty much 100% manufactured for the movie. So Okay. So maybe, like, apparently they were, like, acquaintances in real life. Like, they, you know, had met and had talked to each other, but they were, there was never any evidence that him and Pat Garrett were ever in a gang together or that they were even, like, really close friends. 
That is the legend, so, though. Yeah. A, yeah, that's kind of been spun into the legend, but... Yeah. <sighs> um, so, Doug, did you... Uh, did you, I guess, talk about if you really like this movie or not? I know we kind of yeah. went over that it wasn't as good, but I didn't know if you gave your... No, yeah, like, I, th- I still think it's a fun movie to watch. It's a mm-hmm. fun little action movie. I think, you know, like I say, Dave is a funny character. Um, I liked the, I liked the stupid joke of having the writer come along, and the writer's like, you know, I don't know what the appropriate word is, but he's a he's a city guy who's gotten dragged along on this country adventure, and he keeps having to pull over and take a dump, and all the other guys are making fun of him. And I even like like Viggo Mortensen plays a, a character that is kind of assigned by the state to ride alongside Pat Garrett, and I liked his character as well. Mm. Um, then when those two interact, it's, it can be quite entertaining because he's like the tough guy. And- yeah, I, it is interesting how Vigo's character sort of comes off a little bit of a dandy. A little bit. But, but then, like, he is ready to get shit done when it's ready. So I just found that interesting contrast into what you would expect his character to be like and how he actually ends up yeah. playing out. But, I mean, this movie falls right into that category of, like, late 80s early 90s action movies which just they get a bunch of silly things wrong like mm-hmm. like okay so one of the dumb things is like Pat Garrett goes through this whole physical transformation when he decides to become the sheriff yeah. and he gets on like this the black outfit with the long black coat and then they go out on the road and it's like if you pay attention like everybody else has the same outfit on all the time because it's the old west and they don't carry a lot of like baggage with them on their horse like they maybe have a jacket that they take on and put back off and that's about it um not bad garrett he is like he changes his outfits in several scenes and it's like well why was he carrying that other suit with him and where does he put that big long coat there's nowhere on that horse that he could possibly have put that while he's riding (laughs) so it's just i mean it's nitpicky and it's silly but it just Mm -hmm. shows the difference in the between like a a good quality movie and just like a fun action movie where you're not supposed to think about it that much. So ultimately, Noah, what did you think of this movie? Uh, I know you love the first one. So, I I had more fun watching this than the first one, mm-hmm. but not necessarily because it's a better movie <laughs> for a couple reasons. Number one, Christian Slater in it and doing yeah. Christian Slatery things, which which is always entertaining. So mm-hmm. that's all right. Uh, number two is that about 10 minutes into this movie, I completely checked out. And so instead of paying close attention to this movie, I was instead making up my own movie as it went along. And it was basically a CSI tombstone. Jesus. (laughs) And it was very fucking entertaining. Watching watching CSI going after Billy the Kid. (laughs) Richard Slater. I like that you call William Peterson just CSI. I like that's CSI. his name. <laughs> that's, that's his name now. He's, he is CSI Tombstone. Here comes the pun. Choo-choo. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I will say not as good of a cast as the first movie. But still pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, they got the yeah. big three back from the first movie. Yeah, you got Emilio, you got Kiefer, you got uh, old Lou Diamond Phillips back. 
Then you get Alan Ruck, who is uh, Ferris Bueller's best friend from Ferris Bueller Day Off. You get yeah. uh, Balthazar Getty when he was like a baby. <laughs> uh, Christian Slater, of course. Uh, William Peterson, or CSI, as Noah calls him. Yeah! <laughs> CSI Tombstone is his full name. Just so people yeah. get confused with other CSIs out there. <laughs> Uh, Vigo Mortensen, as we mentioned, always exciting to see him just randomly show up. Uh, and then uh, the madam, I don't remember what even what her actress name is, but she's the girl from Near Dark and yeah, a bunch Jenny, of other awesome eighties, yeah, yeah, a bunch of other awesome eighties movies. So it was interesting to see her show up, and then her just walk completely naked out of her her brothel is not a uh, horrible scene. Uh, uh, I, that is one of those scenes that, like, because this movie came out in 1990 when I was, like, 12 yeah. years old. So that, that one stuck in my head. And it's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sitting in a movie theater at 12 years old, seeing that made me very, very happy. <laughs> uh, um, I guess do we want to hear some historical facts that are actually different from what they put in the movie? Sure. Um, so the Lincoln Cattle War... Uh, pretty much played out as it did on screen. Uh, Tunstall got murdered. Uh, the the regulators, who were actually a posse of about 50 men, were deputized to round up uh, the, the, the guys who sort of did it and whoever, whatever other warrants and stuff that they were assigned. And, of course, Billy the Kid <laughs> ran roughshod and just started murdering people. Which causes then the regulators to be hunted down by the by the authorities as well. Um, so pretty much everything, like we said in the first movie, the events actually play out pretty historically accurate. Um, the The McSweeney house did get burned down, but apparently there was like already fourteen people living there at the time. So it wasn't just him and his wife. There was like some cow hands or whatever that also lived in the house. But yeah, it, it, that's what I was saying at the beginning when we talked about it being a much more condensed version of the story. There was also yes. like, apparently that battle also took place at like two different stores. Like, yeah. So as well as at that house. So was, yeah. But whatever. Um, and but the entire uh, the regulators all did escape, which means Charlie uh, did not get killed, um, and Dirty Steve did not get killed in this battle. Awesome. Had those guys back for the sequel. Yeah. We never even talked about Charlie in our discussion of the first one. No, not really. Charlie was awesome. I loved when he was trying <laughs> to impress those girls and he's lying about being a doctor. And then he like has to like like uh, Tunsil almost gets in a fist fight with some guy because uh, the guy bumped him and he said, I'm sorry or excuse yeah. me. And the guy's like, let's fight. And so well, Charlie, yeah. Charlie just steps in and he's like, I'll take care of this. And he's like, it's you and I. Isn't that right, John? You and I? Yeah. And then just old-timey boxes the guy right in the face. Uh, yeah. Great moment. <laughs> um, then he repeats that line in the final movie when he goes after John Kenny. Hey, John yeah. Kenny, you son of a bitch. It's you and I. And, of course, he gets taken out. Yeah. So. Did not happen in real life. Charlie actually lived. And so did Dirty Steve. Dirty Steve actually lived. So in historical fact, Dick played by Charlie Sheen in this movie, was the only part of the regulators that 
that actually died uh, that could be attributed then to Billy the Kid's cockiness. So suck on that, Noah. So, so what you're saying is he's an even shittier version of Billy the Kid. <laughs> uh, the fucked up thing, though, uh, they did not fight that dude at an outhouse. Apparently it was in front of a house, but not an outhouse. Uh, but the fucked up thing is apparently the entire top of Dick's head got blown off with a shotgun. Nice. <laughs> not just the piddly little, like, get shot in the body like five times and die. No, apparently his whole head exploded, so. Wish they'd put that in the movie. All right. Isn't that old 80s score? You bring Tom Savini in for that scene? Exactly. Um, and then, weirdly enough, uh, so. Frenchy or Henry French or whatever the fuck the dude's name was in the second one. And then Tom, who was a kid in the second one, and he was not a kid at the time all this happened. Both of them were actually in the regulators as well. So they okay. were there throughout the entire Lincoln Cattle War. So they kind of tried to reuse characters that existed yeah. in the world. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, if we jump into the second movie, Doc and Chavez, neither one of them actually died. Um, Doc actually moved to Texas and then just sort of retired and did whatever old-timey people did back then and then lived, lived peacefully for the rest of his life. He died in 45. <laughs> uh, and then Chavez actually had a very long life after the Lincoln Cattle War and actually served in many uh like uh authoritarian roles like with like uh police and stuff like that um after he was given a pardon because he saved a bunch of policemen's lives during once one incident or whatever so he's given a pardon and then essentially worked as like a deputy and stuff in a bunch of police forces or military or whatever you want to call it and then died of old age um, but the scene where Doc dies in the second one, that was actually Charlie. Okay. So he actually went out to check the horses that morning. And when he stepped out of the building, Pat Garrett's men had surrounded the building in the middle of the night and they shot him. And then they drug him back in and his sort of Billy encouraged him to try to take out as many as he could on his way down. But he stepped back out the door and basically just fell over. So it's kind of a bummer they killed him in the first movie. That could have been his big hero moment. It seems like that's kind of how they wanted him to go down in the first movie. I wonder if they yeah. knew that. When they, were making, when they were killing him off in the first movie, not knowing a sequel was coming, it's like they wanted to pay tribute to his actual death. Mm -hmm. And then apparently Billy the Kid and Charlie are buried next to each other in whatever cemetery that they're buried in. I guess, quote-unquote, allegedly. Yeah, well, we're going to have that debate before we are done this, but whether we think yeah. that uh, lived or not. And then the... Uh, and what was the dude's name? Brush, Brush... Brushy Bill or whatever. Yeah, Brushy Bill. That Brushy is also... Roberts, yeah. That is also a legit thing that happened. This guy showed up claiming to be Billy the Kid, and apparently surviving outlaws that were friends with Billy the Kid like vouched for him. Yes, this is Billy the Kid. Yep. But the governor just completely 
uh, discredit, oh. discredited him, and then he died like not too long after that. Yeah, and apparently there are reports that he also claimed to be part of like the Jesse James gang and stuff. Mm. So that might be one of the reasons why they're like, well, you're probably not really Billy the Kid if you already <laughs> said you were in this other gang. So. Well, and I was thinking at one point they actually ended up digging up the body buried in Billy the Kid's grave and did mm -hmm. DNA testing and stuff on some uh, distant family members and basically said, that's Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid's dead. Got shot. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so I haven't actually read up on anything since in like forever, but yeah. I, uh, yeah, I want that to be true. I want Billy the Kid to have lived and to have like wandered out of the wilderness at 90 and demanded a pardon. Like that's great because I think that's how old he would have been. It's like he would have been 90 and they kind of doctors estimated him to be more like 70. But mm. one of the arguments against him being Billy the Kid. But it's like I want that to be the truth cause Yeah. At the end of the day, it's it's all about just getting what he was promised. It was never like never about anything like fame yeah. or money or anything it's just like i was promised a pardon and i just want a pardon just give me what you promised me yeah which is it's fun i mean i, I like yeah that'd be a, that'd be a great story i mean it's not a great story that this like mass murderer lived a lot longer than everyone thought <laughs> maybe committed a bunch more crimes in between when he was missing but it is a fun story mm -hmm. I, I, it's the kind makes of thing for, which was true makes for fun two movies and I, I do want to go down to. I looked it up, and there's like apparently like some town in Texas where this guy lived has like a museum dedicated to Billy the Kid now, and now I want to go there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, now after watching these, like my my Billy the Kid, uh, uh, passion is sort of like I, mean, I need to go and reread all this shit again. <laughs> apparently, apparently the DNA testing did not work out. No, just not right. Looking that up, yeah. Well, apparently, yeah, because the graveyard had been heavily disturbed by flooding, so there's no real way to know which. I'm getting the impression that there was no way to know which body would have been the one buried mm. as Billy the Kid. Still mysterious. <laughs> so who knows? Might might still be. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and read the DNA results <laughs> while we're on the podcast. You are not the father. <laughs> Um, and it, oh, also there was a joke about him not being left-handed in the first movie, which I don't know if anybody caught. Because right. um, the super famous picture of Billy the Kid, with him standing with his gun like propped up next to him or whatever, um, apparently led a lot of people to believe he was left-handed, which then was translated into like movies and whatever else. That he's like, oh, Billy the Kid, he was left-handed, and which you know is a rarity. And that kind of stuff, but it turns out that the type of photography they were using does not take a a straight picture; it takes a mirror image picture. Nice. So he actually would have been right-handed, and so in the movie they threw in a joke, and then in the newspaper article they called him left-handed. He's like, "I'm not left-handed." I knew there. I knew that that joke was based on the uh, the idea that people thought he was mm. left-handed, but he wasn't. Didn't realize it was because of the photography issue that's hilarious because that's such an obvious thing that anybody who took the time and effort to look into it would know right yeah so Noah, you survived slater september do you feel you've come out a better person going through slater september 
I just want us to keep in mind, Noah, that if you get mad and storm off the show now, the last thing that will happen is you'll be right. You'll be running away, and we'll be playing that Blaze of Glory song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I read that uh, Emilio Estevez went to Bon Jovi to ask him about using the song "Wanted," you know, "Wanted yeah. Dead or Alive." He ultimately said no because he didn't feel like was the lyrics of the song fit with what they were going for for the movie and then proceeded to just do an entire album for the soundtrack for part two and if what i read was correct they were like neighbors so how great how great is that neighborhood if you just live like you're living there and you look across the street like emilio estes and john bon jovi both come out of their house to get the paper at the same time you're like this is the best life ever (laughs) (laughs) to me that does not sound pleasant the only way you could make that worse is be like, and the guy who lives on the other side is Gene Simmons. <laughs> I will say, if you go back and you watch the uh, Blaze of Glory video, it's the perfect video for this podcast because it is just Bon Jovi performing with a big drive-in screen in the background with Young Guns 2 playing on it. So, <laughs> I may or may not have watched that a few times this week. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. I did everything I said out of my workout of the podcast, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just in case. No, no, we're, yeah. I'm Feel free to leave in me saying this, but. No, no, it's fine. I'll tell, I'll tell you what, I've been, I've been sick, and work's been shitty for the last week, and this was the perfect week for me to watch two movies that I know I don't like. <laughs> uh. If it makes you feel any better, my girlfriend sprained her ankle last weekend, and so I've had extra duties of driving her to doctors and then around the, doing stuff around the house and kid is you know so how much how much did you have to pay to fix that ankle oh nothing yeah then fuck you fuck you no. <laughs> <laughs> she did she did she did, decide to get a, she did decide to get a br- uh, brace and she had to buy that herself what she paid for it. not much Canadian piece of shit yeah. We, were, we, were, we, were, we were hiking through one of our beautiful provincial parks where we had to pay a couple of bucks to park, but other than that, it was free for use. And nobody's planning to sell it off for oil drilling. And then when she hurt herself, we simply came back to town and went to one of our free doctors. Ugh. God damn it. You just made me angry. We had to, oh, we had to pay for parking at the hospital, too. So I think that was like four bucks. <sighs> All right, moving on. <laughs> goddamn free healthcare. Um, uh, before we move on to, I don't know. I'm gonna make Doug read this long email as his punishment for having free healthcare. Wait, we have feedback. We have one that came in at eight o'clock tonight. Okay, but it's a long one, so you get to read it now because you get free healthcare, so your eyes can take the strain. Um, we did forget to mention that. Uh, the, the whole reason for doing this was, of course, Christian Slater. 
And then uh, at the end, we learn that Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh got beheaded down in Mexico. <laughs> I love uh, that. The first people who knew who he was. <laughs> and uh, turns out also historically accurate. Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh killed two Mexicans when he got down to Mexico and they beheaded them and posted his head on a stake in the middle of the town square. Look good for them. Of course, Noah's against that because he thinks getting vengeance for people killing your uh, loved ones is wrong. All right. So, Doug, you want to you read this lengthy email from our friend Brian? The one that's subject line is going to be a long one? Yeah, yeah, that's oh. the one. Oh, great. I'll go into this <laughs> blind. <sighs> Jesus. <laughs> I was going to just skip it for this week, and maybe we would just do like a condensed version, but since you're talking about all your free health care, you can read it. <laughs> um, all right. Here we go. <laughs> Hey guys, haven't emailed in in a while. I've seen some movies. I've seen some movies, some you've seen and some you may not have, so I thought I'd talk about. First, I'm probably the only person left in the world who hasn't seen Get Out, so I had to remedy that. Just have to say that my wife and myself were completely floored with this movie, which honestly says a lot. Brian, a lot is actually two words, I and lot, not one long word. Um, due to her not liking horror much. I, I was somehow able... Oh, and somehow is one word. Man, spell check, right? <laughs> I was somehow able to avoid spoilers for the last year and a half. That is an accomplishment. Completely caught off guard by this one. Both huge KMP fans, fans, so this was a no-brainer. And as far as I'm concerned, Jordan Peele can do whatever the hell he wants. And he can take my money in the process. Ironically, yeah. he's uh, going to go to TV next, so won't need your money for that. Well, it's CBS All Access, so that's a that's a streaming streaming service you got to pay for. Okay, so I don't want to push your buttons too much here, Brian. Oh, uh, you get that for free, don't we? We can't, we can't get CBS All Access here in Canada, so their shows are picked up by various Canadian networks for rebrand. Motherfucker. Part of our basic cable package. I'm moving to Canada. <laughs> moving in, Doug. No, you can't stay here. Oh, I'm staying there. You can move in here as soon as you're eligible for the free health care, but not when you first come to Canada. <laughs> Next, then I'll forward this with a huge thank you to Brian for giving us a heads up on Amazon Screw-Up, Puppet Master of the Littlest Reich. He knows he posted on Facebook to the group, that, the group and that you guys loved it. I haven't seen it yet. The best way to describe this movie is gruesomely bonkers. Is that accurate, guys? That is yep. very much accurate. All right. Uh, so he moved on from that one because it's the same writer as Bone Tomahawk, which I think we discussed previously. Mm -hmm. Oh, there you go. When it comes to Westerns, Brian says he's with Noah. Not really a fan, but he can appreciate them for what they are, for what they've, when they're a good film in general. But uh, he loves Tombstone. Young Guns is okay, too. So Kurt Russell, another Western with cannibalistic natives, sold. Everything about this movie just works. Well acted, well written. Yeah. Um, Bone Tomahawk is a great movie. You guys have fantastic. seen it. Yeah. yeah. And the acting is fantastic all aboard in that one. Like, 
everybody's doing that. I remember even like Matthew Fox gives like a really good performance in that movie. And I remember like mm-hmm. saying that to somebody and then pausing for a moment and going, wow, that's like not something I thought I'd ever find <laughs> myself saying out loud. Like that's, that's a really a strange thing to say, but there you go. So, <laughs> Getting back to the email, we're like a third of the way through now. <laughs> so after watching this, it dawned to me, how in the hell are you doing a Christian Slater month before you do a Kurt Russell month? Apparently Brian's new around here and he doesn't understand how we do things. <laughs> and uh, he'll be happy to know that we actually have penciled in. Uh, we haven't decided the movies yet, but on our list it says Kurt Russell Appreciation Month. And so it's already written down. It yeah. was just too good of an excuse to not to make Noah watch the Young Guns movies. <laughs> so this had to happen right away. Yeah, if Kurt Russell really wanted his own month, he'd have been in Young Guns. That would have been the solution. Exactly. There. I would have had a harder time eating it. <laughs> I mean, you did a Bill Paxton month back with the last horror cast, and he's a national national treasure. This is true. I'd say international treasure because we appreciate him here up in the Canadas as well. <laughs> he's, he's going on about this Christian Slater thing. He's not. Right. I mean, I know you guys tend to stick with the schlocky movies and all, and it's impossible for Kurt Russell to make a bad movie, but give the man his due. So when you do decide to feature him, he's got some ideas. Brought up Bone Tomahawk. You could pair it with Ravenous. That would actually be a really fun week. Mm-hmm. Both great movies. <laughs> you can get a cannibal movie and some David Arquette, too. Uh, so then Big Trouble in Little China. Should we teamed up with Showdown in Little Tokyo? Mm-hmm. Never seen Showdown in Little Tokyo, but the names make it seem obvious. Dolph Lundgren and Brandon Lee? Yeah. Yeah. Brian says uh, he's never seen it either, but Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren. Oh. Bad could it be? I, I didn't even. I didn't even read ahead. Well, some some Brian has to say it or exactly. both, you know, whatever. Oh, it gets rough here. He, he goes. Then you got overboard and death becomes her. <sighs> got to give Goldie some time here. I don't know what that one. Death becomes her. <sighs> I haven't seen it in a long time. I, so it, it, yeah. I don't know about Overboard. Maybe we just do Overboard with the Overboard uh, remake and we compare and contrast those two. Well, I mean, we don't even need to. The original Overboard is way superior to any Overboard remake. I have a feeling that the over- original Overboard isn't very good either. That's my guess if I had to rewatch oh, it. Oh, you now. shut your mouth. I haven't seen it in a long time. I've rewatched it. It's completely uh, non-PC. I would suggest what what's non PC about that? Uh, Kid, kidnapping a woman with a brain injury and forces her into slave labor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah kid, kidnapping a woman uh, a woman with a head injury and convincing her that she's your wife for reasons that they don't show on screen, but we all know what the reasons are. <laughs> uh, There's like a really dark movie there. That's actually a really good idea for a really dark movie about a guy who just like convinces this woman with a head injury that it's his wife just so we can like bang her and eventually she finds out. The the best thing you could call that movie way overboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could. Yeah. Um, let's see, what, what's his next suggestion here? We should move on before we get in trouble. He wants us to team up Soldier with the Mario Van Peebles classic Solo or Universal Soldier. Um, I don't know what Solo is. Top of my head. 
but Universal Mar- Soldiers. It's also. it's Mario Van Peoples as uh, Cyborg, basically. Mm. Yeah, I think Universal Soldiers probably better. <laughs> um, just my guess. And what about Sky High and Death Proof would be interesting since he plays both ends of the spectrum character-wise. It's true. And also both also, very... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Also both feature Mary Elizabeth Winston. Is that what you were going to say? I should really like read ahead as you're reading this so I don't just blurt out stuff that he's already talking about. <laughs> I've never seen Sky High, so I... It's it's totally a kid's movie, but it's superhero stuff. It's Rays actually, it, and beams! These are the tools of the mad yeah. scientist. So, it, yeah, it's like the children of superheroes that then go to a high school that teach you how to be a superhero. And uh, the best thing is Bruce Campbell plays the gym coach. Boomer. And so he's got like a sonic voice, like, boom! you got Bruce Campbell, you've got two members of uh, Kids in the Hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then Kurt Russell and Kelly Preston. Alright. Yeah, it, yeah, no, no, yeah, I'm just saying, it, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Uh, what? What's his face? Farva? Yeah, he's the bus driver. <laughs> so then the last thing uh, Brian says is we can do whatever we want for a Kurt Russell month that he's insisting we do. He's, he's done like <laughs> we spent the last 10 minutes discussing this idea that isn't actually an idea that we came up with. Um, but he says, yeah, we gotta do a thing commentary, which it's not a horrible idea. Not a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, if we are qualified to discuss the thing. It's kind of a cerebral movie. <laughs> We're kind of. I idiots. think it would be better if we did a commentary to the original thing. The thing from Planet the Fifties. Yeah. I've been looking for an excuse to buy that one for years. So. I've seen it before. It's a lot of people opening doors. <laughs> oh, it's it's a fantastic movie. I actually really like it. I just I think it's a lot cheesier. Mm. Although, if I remember correctly. Uh, Ted from Horror Etc. did a thing commentary, and I don't remember if it was Solo or if he had Anthony with him, but I would recommend going back and listening to that because he's much better at analyzing films than we are. <laughs> it's still available online somewhere. <laughs> the next line in Brian's email is just, man, this is getting long. But then he continues to go. <laughs> uh, back to the writer of those other movies. He watched uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99, which we talked about, I think, have all three yep. of us seen that one now? Yep. Yeah. So it's Brian's favorite movie of this year, hands down. You guys already talked about it, I know, but just so good. Had to watch the face dragged across the concrete like four times because I couldn't believe what I saw. <laughs> that in the last shot reminded me of a certain scene in Inside of the same nature. Not a Vince Vaughn fan, but he was perfect. Okay. That's, yeah, that's a big thing to say. What? It's a better uh, 1970s grindhouse knockoff than a lot of movies that set out to be a 1970s grindhouse knockoff. I agree with that. Yeah. So Brian promises he's almost done. (laughs) Oh, but this is going to get good. Lastly, he watched Mandy this weekend. Mm -hmm. Nobody couldn't see it in theaters since it only played once at a show an hour away from me. So we got it on VOD. I'm also bummed about not seeing it in theaters this weekend. I was trying to go. Didn't work out. 
I won't say much because it's new, but it's one of these movies that kind of stays with you. Cage is insanely solid. Music is perfect. Atmosphere is well-crafted. Mandy lives in its own world that needs to be experienced. Second favorite movie of the year so far. Comes out on Blu-ray on apparently October 30th, and he'll be buying it. He's just throwing in commercials for Blu-rays now because his email's too short. <laughs> yeah, man. We're only going to get one PC email every two weeks or whatever it is. We have to do it good. Uh, lastly, he checked out Panos Cosmatos, the first movie. Yeah, the guy the that directed, the guy that wrote and directed Mandy. Okay, so he also wrote and directed Beyond the Black Rainbow, apparently. And yes. Brian checked that out, which I have not seen either. Neither have I. Uh, heard it, I heard Brian, it's bonkers. Brian says he doesn't know what to say about it, except that he liked it, he thinks. It definitely <laughs> requires multiple watches. It's a slow movie, so you got to be patient with it. Uh, fun fact, that guy whose name I'm not trying to pronounce again, his father is George... Cosmatos, who directed Rambo First Blood Part 2 and Cobra, which is... Oh, and he directed Tombstone, apparently. Look at that. Lots of Tombstone this week. Right? Ryan's email is so long that he's referencing himself at this point. It's funny because it's true. It's residuals from Tombstone that apparently paid for Black Rainbow movie, which is interesting. And hard to track, economically speaking, so I'm not sure if it's completely accurate. Uh, so Chris, so he's... Alright, so I'm not going to read everything that Brian said here, because it's been a while that I've been reading. But he basically is working it out that Kurt Russell is directly responsible for Mandy being made, because if Tombstone hadn't made so much money, the director wouldn't have got the residuals, so therefore Beyond the Black Rainbow wouldn't have been made, so therefore Mandy wouldn't have got greenlit. <laughs> um, and that's a, one more reason why we should be doing a Kurt Russell month apparently I... <laughs> it's going to happen I think we're going to do it on his birth month whenever that is uh, it's probably August the way we're going um, oh yeah and Noah uh, we have it here confirmed from Ryan pepperoni is the best pizza topping so you're wrong again, guys. Everyone, I don't. I don't what? believe that's how that ends. That is 100 how that ends. <laughs> Lastly, going back a couple weeks, best pizza topping is pepperoni. But that pizza no was talking about with all the stuff on it sounds amazing. Aha! So you, <laughs> so you, you described a good pizza, but since they asked about the best pizza topping, you were wrong. That's what happened. There. Yeah, I'm still gonna say uh, everyone's wrong. <laughs> Uh, Kurt Russell was born in March, so this March, look for our Kurt Russell appreciation month. Yeah, we should have no problem keeping ourselves organized enough to know what we're doing in March. Yeah. If we plan out ahead far enough, we might get it right. I doubt uh, it. I highly doubt it. I'm going to forget about that by March. Well, I'll, I'll put a note in the list. Uh, so Brian just told us all the movies he watched. Did anybody else watch anything since last week? Uh, I finished up Godless. Because mm-hmm. you can't get enough westerns, so you just have yeah. to well, you, here's here's the interesting thing. So it kind of has a similar ending to Young Guns in that it kind of ends oh, with... Jeff Daniels being thrown out of a house in a trunk? That's awesome. <laughs> no, no, exactly that. No. He's, getting, he's, getting, he's getting older. I hope they use the stunt double. <laughs> no, but it ends with a big uh, shootout between two groups uh, with one side like trapped inside of a building, basically. 
and uh, it's really, really, really good. It's that it, the show's kind of slow moving, but man, once shit hits the fan, it's a uh, it's brutal. I don't much. I wish they would have just ended it at the end of the fight, instead of like they carry on a little bit after it, and then there's this stupid like, oh, ending, which you know, fuck, fuck that. What kind of ending was that? Oh, okay. It gets I'm all. Sure, I'm not sure if I heard that. Could you explain it again, please? <laughs> it gets all. You know what? He's a bad man, but he finally saw the ocean. That that kind of ending. Fuck, fuck that. Fuck, fuck that. They should have all died. Like, it makes me angry. That more you hate it die. when anybody is happy, even if they're <laughs> fictional characters. You're like, still, I don't want to be happy. I hate it. I hate it when the happy ending doesn't fit with the narrative. Like, does that make but, sense? Yeah, except yeah. I don't believe you could come up with a narrative that would warrant a happy ending in your mind. <laughs> If you watch uh, the Care Bears movie, going no, I'm pretty sure they should all die. But uh, yeah, like like I said, that shootout is uh, I don't know. There's something very realistic about it. Like even though it does get it's so over the top, like two guys ride horses up a staircase to shoot people on the roof, which uh, clearly is unrealistic. But the actual gun violence. Because it pretty much starts with, like, the bad guys are talking shit, and somebody just fucking shoots one of them with a fucking shotgun. <laughs> just doesn't even, no, no speeches, no anything. They're like, we're gonna come in and bang! <laughs> and then it just starts. But to- totally worth a watch. Uh, then after watching that, I needed something uh, a little less heavy. So I started re-watching uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Not the uh, not the movie, but the old BBC miniseries, which oh, yeah. is available on Hulu, uh, which is hilarious, and I'm a big fan of it. Never seen it. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to. See it. Do you guys do you, have you guys ever read the books? I read the first book. I never read anything after that. Yeah, I'm exactly the same way. Yeah, uh, the I feel like the miniseries is like it's. Once again, it's an old BBC thing, so it's it's super super cheesy, but it captures the spirit of the the book about as well as you can. Hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's all on Hulu, so if you haven't seen it, Hulu it up. Cool. Anything else? No, that's it. What about you, Doug? What about me? Uh, did you watch seen, I did watch a couple of things, actually. Oh. Uh, so, I couldn't get enough Billy the Kid from just two movies. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> You went down the rabbit hole, which is usually <laughs> Noah's MO? Yep, yep. So, you guys can go ahead and be grateful that I didn't know that a movie called Jesse James Meets Frankenstein's Daughter existed. Yeah. Because otherwise I would have teamed it up with the movie I did watch and made a show. Mm-hmm. Because I watched Billy the Kid versus Dracula. <laughs> which has been which I've, my... I've actually been wanting to watch that for a long time. Yeah. It's it's been on my watch list forever. I'm like, well this is this is the time. This is there's never gonna be a better time to watch Billy the Kid versus Dracula. Around the same time, didn't like a Bonnie and Clyde meet Frankenstein movie come out? Apparently a lot of stuff like this happened. The Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter and Billy the Kid vs. Dracula are the same year in 1966. 
And you can tell it's an older movie because it's versus Dracula, not V Dracula, which is what it would be called now. Oh, uh, there's a Bonnie and Clyde versus Dracula, which is a newer movie. Okay. Never mind. Continue. Anyways, um, so I don't know what you want me to say about Billy the Kid versus Dracula. Um, basic plotline: Dracula is in the Old West for some reason. It's a really, really perverty version of Dracula. <laughs> so he's he kills like a German immigrant couple's um, daughter. And then he, they pull out a cross, so he jumps onto like a stagecoach. And as he's on the stagecoach, there's literally like two people on there, and the one girl's, the one woman is like, "Yeah, I really want to get home. I, I left my 18-year-old daughter home alone by herself, and she's really pretty, and I'd like to get back there." And he's like, "Pretty 18-year-old, eh? Got a picture?" <laughs> the minute he sees the picture, he's like, "Yup." <laughs> and he just, he literally starts killing people, steals the picture. And at one point is uh, literally like showing the picture of people. Like, do you think she's really as pretty as she is in this picture? I love young, young, pretty girls. And it's like, oh man, <laughs> this Dracula is a pervert, man. I mean, she's 18, so I guess she's legal. I don't know if they made that on purpose or not, but it's weird. I want to get all up in that. So, uh, the bad news for Dracula is that when he finally makes it out there, he meets her fiance, which is a retired Billy the Kid who is now running the ranch where this girl is the heir to it. Um, okay, so he's retired because I was looking at the poster. I'm like, like an old guy, Billy the Kid. That doesn't make no sense. Yeah, he's it's supposed to be like he's done Billy Billy the Kidding, and he's just now he's settled down kind of thing and he's looking to get married and have a family of his own so so very historically accurate yeah they don't well yeah i mean this is they left this out this was actually i think going to be in young guns three but they didn't get around to it uh, gotcha. so um so that's why he's still alive he got bit by dracula so billy the kid's actually a vampire makes perfect sense i'll give you a full spoiler alert here but billy billy the kid ends up winning this final fight so let's not get bit um yeah, I mean, the movie is a lot more like a sequel to Dracula than I expected it to be. Like, I was expecting full-on cheesiness, but this really does almost feel like one of those shitty late Universal sequels that they made. Like, when you get into, like, House House of, insert monster name here, yeah. you know, those ones where they're just mixing and matching, yeah. every, you know, everybody. Um, not to say there aren't good Universal sequels. Some of them are great, but these ones were... There were all, there were those cheesy ones that came later, and this one feels like that. Um, like I would say, the movie's like an hour fifteen, and a good half hour of it is like Billy the Kid and Dracula like living in the same house, and Billy the Kid is like, is that guy a vampire? And Dracula's trying to throw him off his scent. Dracula uses a lot of racism and anti-immigrant language to throw Billy the Kid off his scent because. <laughs> So, like, every character in this movie ends up living in this one farmhouse, right? And so you have, like, the, the German people whose daughter was killed early in the movie is living in the house with Dracula and Billy the Kid and Billy the Kid's fiance. <laughs> and it's like, so he's like, don't listen to those immigrants. Why would they know whenever they're like, he's a vampire? And they're like, no, don't listen to them. They're immigrants. You can't listen to immigrants. It's really weird. <laughs> it's never even fully explained if they're actually immigrants or if they just 
have somehow developed German languages while living in the Old West. But um, so yeah, I don't know. If you want to watch Billy the Kid versus Dracula, watch it. If you, I'm not recommending it or not recommending it, you're getting what you deserve for starting a movie like that. It's available for free online in one place. So <laughs> it's like I say, I was surprised by how much it felt like a sequel to the, like a, another entry in the Universal Dracula series, but it's pretty cheesy. And there's an odd amount of like drama between Billy and the other farmhands that you're just like, I don't know why that's in here except to make the movie a little longer. <laughs> but so yeah, um, I, I got fully say I enjoyed it, but I'm not a normal human. So, <laughs> uh, another thing I watched, I watched a documentary on Netflix called Power of Grayskull, which is a complete history of the He Man and the Masters of the Universe toy line and cartoon and everything else, uh, which is pretty good. It's it's a fun little thing to watch if you grew up with those toys and watching those cartoons. And they interviewed Dolph Lundgren about what it was like to make the movie and uh, what's the name of the actor played Skeletor in that movie? Frank Langella? Frank Langella. They have him on and he's talking about playing Skeletor and taking it way too fucking serious for what that movie is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a That's kind of fun to watch. Um, the one thing I learned about the whole He-Man story is that it's, it's not that good of a story. It's like, well, we had this idea for some toys and then decided to make a cartoon about it because that's how you sold toys in the 80s and you don't that... uh, you don't find that story to be one of the best stories you've ever heard your entire life not really the entire story is basically one of the guys in their sales department bullshitted he-man into existence well yeah they're made up toys. Bullshitting them into existence is kind of the thing. Well, but, but there's saying, no. Uh, my whole my whole thing is it's like they were trying to sell the toys, and they were like, "Kids don't know what this is. They're not going to buy it." And he's like, "Oh, you didn't hear about the comic book we're making?" And yeah, they're like, "Oh, shit, we'll buy it if there's a comic book." So then they had to go to Marvel and sell the comic book, and then they go to Toys R Us, and they were like, "Hey, we've got this cool comic book," and they're like, "We don't give a fuck about comic books." And he's like, "Oh, we didn't tell you about the Funimation cartoon series." And they're like, ooh, we'll buy it if there's a cartoon series. So then they go to Funimation and sell them a cartoon series and end up making one of the most enduring characters of all time. Yeah, no, I don't find that that interesting. It just sounds like, mar- <laughs> it just, it just sounds like marketing guys saying what they got to say to sell the product to me. Um, so there's nothing, like, there's no creators getting screwed over out of the rights or really great stolen ideas or anything like that. So, but I did think it was a fun thing to watch these, you know, it's old guys that mentioned He-Man get interviewed and listen to Dolph Lundgren talk about them. All that stuff was fun. He's like, hey guys, remember when I played a really shitty version of the character you created? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought the interesting thing about that is they're all talking about what the movie was supposed to be versus what it ended up being. Yeah. That was, that was the most interesting part where you know, they're basically uh, I've already forgot his name again. The guy who did Skeletor. What's his name, Brian? Frank Lajella. Frank Lajella. That's what Brian's here for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just remember that. <laughs> the funny thing is, he's got such a fucking recognizable face, too. I yeah. I know who he is. But, uh, 
he was going over like his idea for Skeletor, and I I've always thought the Skeletor makeup was fucking on point. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. It was I liked it. And the only parts that are disappointing are the parts where they got fucked over because the people, you know, it was being made by Canon, who uh, Canon and money should not ever be used in the fucking same sentence together because they don't know how to fucking manage money. And so whenever it came down to their epic fight, it was like, okay, well, we have $10 and you need to wear this giant headdress. Go. Yeah. In which that's why you get the weird lens flare slow chopping. <laughs> ah, ding. Ah, ding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate that that movie wasn't made at a different time by a company that had the, the funds to do it properly. Yeah. We'll, we'll get around to that movie. It's on our list of things. Yeah, it is on the list. Uh, it's, it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, the one thing I thought was interesting in the He-Man story is when they're talking about the, you know, I have the power. There is like a a bunch of these guys who are going on and on about how like they're like, well, kids will identify with the He-Man character, so then you want the kids to feel like they're the ones that have the power. So if they're running around saying that, that'll make them like the toys more. And I'm like, that sounds like somebody was knows just enough about psychology to sell anything to kids and I'm glad they chose to sell He-Man figures and not something worse <laughs> because <laughs> it's like yeah I can totally see that that that's why kids like He-Man is because kids running around who you know the, one of the shitty things about childhood is you have no power yeah, let's play this game where I get to run around all day yelling that I do have the power it's like oh yeah that, that, that'll work that'll convince little kids to buy a product <laughs> Here, Timmy, swallow this. It's raw PCP. <laughs> exactly. I have the power! <laughs> so I'm just relieved that that guy, you know, worked for a toy company. So he uses power for good and not evil? Yeah, because, I mean, like, that's pretty much the same marketing system that's used by opioid companies now, and they're maybe doing a little more damage to our society than He-Man has ever done. So, I don't know. Yeah, anyways, if you're a fan of He-Man, I'd watch Power of Grace because yeah. it's fun. I didn't, re- I didn't realize it was out already, so I'm definitely going to put it on my list. Yeah. Um, so what was the other thing I saw? Oh, I went and watched... Is it called Peppermint? The new Jennifer Garner movie? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, uh, it was on my list to watch. I fe- it looked like a like a female Punisher. Yeah, go, right, go, right, go right ahead and take that off your list. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a bad movie. And if you have like tons of extra time and you just think it's a revenge movie, I got movie pass, so it's essentially free, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll put it this way. On the walk from the theater to the car, I was, I was with my girlfriend. She was like a Jennifer Garner fan. She wanted to go see it. I watched mm-hmm. the trailer. I'm like, it's a revenge movie. I like those, right? Mm-hmm. And we're literally walking by the car, and I'm like, what'd you think? And she goes, I don't know. What did you think? And I said, I, I looked at her, and I just said, I don't have anything positive to say about that movie. I don't have anything negative to say about that movie. It's just, mm-hmm. it happened. It's, it's the worst thing ever, where it's just not even worth thinking just, anything about it yeah it was just like like the acting's not good the acting's not bad um like the idea of jennifer garner like she's capable of playing that character and they have her like living in this van and hunting down bad guys I'm like that can be fun cops are chasing her and their mm-hmm. cops are doing the typical like oh do we even want to stop her she's killing bad guys and but, I don't know, none of it was interesting the action was okay. wasn't good or bad. It's <laughs> just so I don't know. What's like a what's like a big fancy word for meh that makes me sound smarter by saying it? 
<laughs> What's the joke for Family Guy? I found it pedantic and I don't remember. It's not worth repeating. I just right. read the joke. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, I, I saw that movie. That's that's all. <laughs> I don't. I really like. I don't. I'm like. I. I don't know any of the characters' names from the movie. It was pretty predictable. Mm. The action wasn't good enough for me to go just go see it for the action scenes. Yeah, but it wasn't terrible. Like I didn't. At no point while watching the action scenes was I like, ah, oh, no, no, that's terrible. It was just okay. Yeah, You're watching that guy, all right. That's about what I figured it would be. Um, I mean, it was never like at the top of my list to watch any to watch. It was always like, yeah, like it's a revenge movie, like a mainstream revenge movie. Like I would, I'll totally watch that. And that's but, generally something I like. That's one of the things yeah. that's appealing to me about Young Guns, right? Yeah. And again, like I have Movie Pass, so I would be like, oh, technically it's free, so whatever. But um, eh, I mean, new stuff keeps coming out, so it keeps moving further and further down the list. So maybe it'd be like a Netflix watch or something. But yeah. Well, for me too, it was disappointing because that was the same night I wanted to go see Mandy, and then I ah, didn't see that instead. You had a so, chance to go see Mandy, huh? Yeah, they, the local well, the local art house theater played like just three showings of it or something. No. Couldn't get the girlfriend to uh, agree to that. No, no. I was gonna go by myself. Then it's it's it all comes back to the free healthcare problem. Because yeah. she twisted her ankle, so she's like, "Oh, the kid's kind of a pain to have around." So I'll send the kid to my parents, and then she's like, "Well, since the kid's gone, we can slip out to a movie or something." And I'm like, "No, I was gonna go to the movies by myself, <laughs> just because I know you won't want to see Mandy." And I made her watch the trailer, and she's like, "You're joking, right?" <laughs> all right. What do we see it instead? So you couldn't be like, okay, well, why don't you go see Peppermint and I'll go see Mandy and then we'll compare notes afterwards. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like once a month when the kids not out, we can spend an evening together. Why don't we spend that evening together in different movie theaters? <laughs> exactly. It's not like we're going to talk during the movie anyway. See, they're, they're across town from each other. Uh, they drop you <laughs> off and pick you up after. Uh, so I did not get a chance to watch Mandy yet, but uh, my wife has a sewing class or some woman nonsense tomorrow so i'm gonna be home by myself so i'm gonna rent it because it's not playing anywhere near me um but i did hear from some people who saw it at the la screening that nicholas cage was actually at did a q a afterwards oh, yeah. weirdly enough kevin smith was like the the interviewer for that that's kevin smith will moderate anything if he yeah just, like... pretty much like if we could get an interview between us and another podcast, Kevin Smith would somehow moderate that. He just does that. <laughs> uh, so apparently, I mean, like the director was there, Nicholas Cage was there. Nicholas Cage wore like a gold sports jacket because, sure, he's yep. Nicholas Cage, and then apparently referred to himself as the Klaus Kinski of California. <sighs> and sure. it's like it's like well. I mean, I can't say no, but... The only good news about Nicolas Cage is he's finally hit the point in his career where the roles he's getting are appropriate for his acting. <laughs> that's that's it. For At the beginning of his career, when he was an actor, yeah, he was good. And then he went through a whole bunch of years where it was like he was doing something, I don't know what, and they were still <laughs> putting him in movies that required an actor. And now they're just like, no, why don't you 
you're going to act that way anyway. We'll just film it. We'll make a story up around this. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've been telling people. I'm like, yeah, he's finally getting movies where he's allowed to go full cage, which is great. Yeah. Uh, um, so the only thing I watched this week uh, is we went and saw The Nun, which was the latest in the Conjuring universe. Okay. Um... I think it's kind of about the same as you said about like peppermint like we walked out and we're like yeah it's okay like it wasn't great it wasn't horrible it just sort of was and you know that's kind of worse than if it was bad uh the weird thing is i feel like there's just no there's no like backstory to the nun because we already know the backstory to the nun from conjuring movie so it's sort of like okay so it's just the nun terrorizing a convent I I guess but it doesn't have any like big set pieces or anything I feel like I mean there's some scares Amanda definitely jumped a couple times but yeah I don't know it is that's it yeah so I don't know uh, I ranked it, I was talking with somebody, I sort of ranked it that it was, uh, I mean, both the Conjuring movies were way better than this movie. Uh, but then, like, it was better than the first Annabelle movie, but not as good as the second Annabelle movie. So, take that, take that however you will. I've never seen any of those movies. So. The Conjuring movies or the Annabelle movies? Or both? Both. Oh. I like the Conjuring movies. I know Noah uh-huh. loves them because he loves the Warrens. Yeah, <laughs> uh. I love how like you can just throw out any topic and Noah has an extreme opinion on it. <laughs> no, I've heard him talk about the Warrens before, and I don't disagree. But I feel like they make the stories make interesting movies. I, I mean, and I think that's true to a certain extent. I just hate the fact that they're basically making a living off bullshit. Yeah. I'm not a you, can I ask you a question? Do you hate the fact that they're making a living off of bullshit, or do you hate the fact that you can't find a way to make a living off of bullshit? <laughs> no. No, I hate that they're making money off bullshit. Oh, I don't deny that. Yeah. I, just wonder, I wonder if the reason you're upset is just because they beat you to it kind of thing. Nah, I can't it's imagine the, Noah the taking advantage of people yeah, to make a living. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just the the dishonesty of it. Like that's that's the only thing. I don't I don't care if they were making up stories and selling them as stories that they made up. You know what I mean? But the fact that they're making up stories and then trying to sell them as real to people that bothers me. Fair enough. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Noah, since we made you sit through Slater September, I gave you the option to pick the movies for next week. Yes, indeed. So what did you come up with? Uh, to to tie in to this week, because I know Doug likes himself a tie-in, we're going to do uh, The Wraith with, with one of the superior Estevezes. God damn it. <laughs> and uh, a little film that I don't think any of us have seen yet, and I've only seen a batshit crazy trailer for it, called I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle. 
I'm sure it's of high quality. Oh, it looks fucking magical. <laughs> I haven't even watched the trailer for it, and I don't intend to. <laughs> I don't see how they, that can help at all in any way. No. The title is enough for you to go, yeah, okay, I see what I'm getting into here. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just one of those, yeah, we'll just, we'll just see how this goes. <laughs> hey, if nothing else, you get to see, you get to see little baby Sheen. Little baby Sheen Ugh. is a is a ghost is a is a car ghost harassing you know, uh, Clint Howard. <laughs> you know, there's rumors that Charlie Sheen was the one who raped Corey Haim on the set of Lucas. I'm say, I did I not say he was a monster? <laughs> he is a monster. He's just a very charismatic monster. <laughs> Uh, In the interest of fairness, I do think those rumors have been debunked. I, I believe they have too, but I still needed to throw a throw a jab at Noah for his love of Charlie Sheen over Emilio Estevez for some reason this episode. Well, like I said, we can all agree Martin Sheen, best Sheen. I don't. I I will agree with that. Joe Estevez, second best. Well, that's where we start parting ways. <laughs> things falling apart <laughs> uh, I feel like you guys just have a pro Emilio <laughs> agenda uh, I, I just I guess I just don't For have like my... an anti Emilio <laughs> agenda like you do <laughs> I love the idea that it's an agenda like we've been bought by, by Big Emilio <laughs> <laughs> you've been People have been bought by Big Emilio. <laughs> you, you and the goddamn globalists. <laughs> I just don't know where this hatred of Emilio Estevez comes from. It's very I strange. I don't hate him. I just don't think he's very good. And the fact that other people think he's very good irritates me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. Maximum Overdrive, though? Yeah. I'm yeah, not Max saying he's not in movies I don't like. He's in lots of movies I like. He's in Maximum Overdrive. He's in, uh, what, what is it, Repo Man? Right, right, right. What's the... Isn't there one where they're uh, garbage truck guys? That's a minute work. Yeah. Minute work, yeah. Yeah, I'm just... I'm just think, trying to think of other garbage truck related movies for us to team up with that one. It's going on the list. <laughs> Well, everybody, welcome to Emilio Month. It's here. <laughs> the homework for next week is for listeners to email us in other garbage truck themed movies that they think we might want to watch, <laughs> or or contrastly, just movies about brothers working together uh, to stop uh, eco criminals. So, oh, I think we just did it. Men at work in Biodome on the list oh shit <laughs> I could just talk myself into that <laughs> and you get you get the Sheen Dynasty and the Baldwin Dynasty in two separate movies <laughs> all wrapped up together I'm trying to decide if that's a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> there's no point in worrying about it now it's going on the list <laughs> it's, it's Biodome I don't hate Biodome uh, I saw that shit in the theater. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've seen it since theater. <laughs> Probably holds up, though, right? 
Ah, oh, that's got to. Because I mean, Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin never went out of style. Well, during our poly, during our Polly Shore month, that we'll totally get to before we do our Kurt Russell month. <laughs> <laughs> we could have went further back, and we could have did like Encino Man. Oh. There's no guard. There's no brothers working together to fight eco-terrorists in Encino Man. They're brothers in spirit. They learned. So I get <laughs> Welcome to our Poly Day special, where it's all Poly Shore movies. Poly Day special. <laughs> That's December for you. God. <laughs> God damn it! So it's in in the army now. And Cino Man, Jury Duty, and was it stepson? What the fuck is his uh, son-in-law? Son-in-law. That's right. That's son-in-law in the army now. <laughs> I'm sure if we look at IMDb, we'll find some movie he was in in 2005 that we probably don't want to see, but now we'll have to. Uh, Polly Shore is dead. Okay, fair enough. You already looked it up. No, I remember that when that came out. He's making a movie where he plays himself. I can might we, watch that. Can we <laughs> no, team that up? Team that it's up actually, with DCVD. It's actually pretty good. That is a good idea, Doug. That and JCVD. Yeah. By the way, do you guys know yeah, that... 2003, Polly Shore is dead. Do you guys know that Jean-Claude Van Damme is now, like, touring, doing speaking engagements, calling, like, like an evening with JCVD? I'd like to know what goes on at those events. Yeah. I don't think I want to, like, pay my money to go to no. one. I was going to say, say this, I have so to imagine it. it's way more sad than you think it is. Yeah. What if it's not, though? What if he just like kicks three audience members and leaves, and you're like, "Yeah, <laughs> hurricane kick, <laughs> do the hurricane kick, you old fuckers." <laughs> break his finger, break huh. your hip. I don't care either way. I just like that he's doing Tostitos commercials now, which is very weird to me. But I'm not gonna lie, I kind of laugh every time they pop up. Uh, it seems like that's like what you should do when you're like an old action star, and you're like, oh, "I probably should have saved more, but I can't go back and redo that." Commercials, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to go the one place I have left to go hardcore pornography please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater and now folks it's time to say goodnight we sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.